This is Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Bloomberg Quick Takes Tim Stenovic from Bloomberg Radio. Let's get you up to date with what's going on when it comes to COVID-19 and more specifically the pursuit for more vaccines because we've got some big news from J&J today. In fact, it's our top story on the Bloomberg in the past hour. Uh, Johnson & Johnson's one-shot vaccine generating strong protection against COVID-19. They did, Tim, a large late-stage trial raising hopes that it can rapidly reshape a stumbling immunization campaign. We know the rollout has been really tough, but you've been pointing to the numbers uh, preventing 66% of modern to severe cases of COVID-19, according to the company, particularly effective of stopping severe diseases, preventing 85% of severe infections and 100% of hospitalizations and deaths. That's the number you've been focusing on. And it's a big one. All right, let's bring in our guest. Paul Stoffels is vice chairman of the executive committee at J&J, also chief scientific officer at J&J. And he joins us on the phone, or actually I should say Zoom, uh, from New Brunswick, New Jersey. Um, Paul, it is so nice to have you here with us. First of all, thank you so much and welcome. Talk to us about the findings. There's some different statistics in terms of the efficacy. What is it that we need to zero in, in on and what's really the most significant in your view? So we did a very large study of 45,000 people in the US, South America and Latin America in a totally different environment where now huge transmission, but also many variants are present. And what we saw is that in in the high, in the the severe disease, we got a very high protection, 85% against uh, severe disease, as well as 100% for death and hospitalization. And that across the entire uh, study, including the South Africa study. And why is that important? We did 6,000 people in South Africa, and we found that 90% of the strains were the South African strains. And we got even a better, we got an 89% protection in South Africa against the severe disease, that 100% against hospitalization and 100% against death. So that shows that the vaccine is efficacious in, in severe disease, as well as against significant new strains. Given the results of this study, do you expect new and even more powerful variants to emerge in the future? Yeah, we have to stay very vigilant. Uh, uh, there is so much viral virus replication in the world and now new vaccines being used and the virus is following the Darwin principles, the fittest survive and they will take over as in, in that race. And so you will see probably more variants, but um, strong immunity, antibody immunity and cellular immunity probably can overcome that, but we have to stay very vigilant. And we have been able to do that with a single dose. And I think that is going to be very effective in fast rollout as we are uh, making a billion doses in the course of the year. Well, Mm -hmm. let's talk about that because when you talked with our David Weston last fall, Paul, that's exactly what you talked about. A billion doses you anticipated for 2021. So that's a real number. You expect it. And can you give us an idea of that billion dose rollout? What does it look like over the next few months? Yeah. So at the moment, we are we are setting up many manufacturing plants in late stage. We are getting approval from different regulators in the world on that. So it's in full upscaling. And as we will deliver a billion over the year, it will be region by region, country by country. We work with the government to discuss on how much will be available when and we'll communicate that. Um, but we are confident that we will be able to make to provide a billion in the course of the year. But what does that mean then? I mean, obviously, you've got to get the emergency approval. So give me an idea of what the timeline is. I think we're all kind of fixated on getting the vaccine so that our life can get back to normal. So what does the emergency approval process look like? And then when do you actually anticipate getting vaccines into arms? And then at what rate? So 
we will submit our uh, filing next week. So we noted the, the data now for three days. Uh, we, uh, we worked on it, uh, we finalized. That's what we uh, uh, published today. Next week we'll submit. And then the FDA and EMA will have to do their work. The European, as well as the US, US agency, will start their work. And, ho- and most likely towards the end of February, we'll have an advisory panel pending, of course, decision of the FDA. And then we'll see uh, getting approval, emergency use approval. And then in March, we'll be able to start delivering vaccine. So you think a realistic timeline for us to actually receive a Johnson & Johnson single-dose vaccine would be March? It will start in the month of March. Uh, there also, with the U.S. government, we have made an agreement over this for several, uh, for, for 100 million vaccines to start with, and we'll keep up to that agreement to, to be able to deliver that. I'm wondering how you see this shot being used in the context of, of this, as you call, pandemic recovery toolkit, you know, especially fitting in with the mRNA vaccines that we see from Moderna and, and Pfizer as well. Mm-hmm. The rollout of those has, has been really tough here in the United States. There have been a lot of speed bumps, but... Uh, you don't have to keep this one at a temperature for a very a very cold temperature for a significant period of time. I mean, there are a lot of differences here. How do you see the rollout uh, working in the context of these other vaccines? Well, it's it. You point out the right thing. It's a single dose, so with one shot you get this protection starting day fourteen, and and the immune uh, matures at twenty eight and even lo- longer. So that that goes fast, uh, and then it. Um, it has two to eight Celsius, uh, uh, which is normal refrigeration temperature for stability for three months. So we can distribute in the country at normal refrigeration, which allows to get vaccinated almost in every uh, healthcare center pharmacy in a very simple way. Um, so, and that that will help. And the single shot combined with that and the high efficacy for, for severe disease, death and hospitalization can have a very important effect. In addition, very short, very clean safety profile. We have uh, we have not observed serious adverse events, no anaphylactic shock, so further to be evaluated by the regulators. But that will also be a, an attractive feature with uh, with a very favorable safety profile. So that means that people who perhaps have not been adv- who had been advised against getting mRNA vaccine, uh, this could be an option for them. Could be an option, but it will be determined by the authorities who will get access first. As this is a emergency use application, it's uh, it will be distributed by the government. Mm-hmm. Hey, Paul, do you see this as a vaccine mm-hmm. that's going to help with some of the logistical challenges that we've seen in the vaccine rollout? Because this two dose, you know, often having to be refrigerated at extreme temperatures has has complicated the process. Do you see this J and J vaccine maybe easing those logistical uh, hurdles? It will simplify logistics significantly because it can also for follow normal pharmaceutical distribution centers. Uh, we don't need, in fact, any special any special circumstance to bring this vaccine to the places where it can be used. So that is going to be good. And then, uh, and yeah, the the normal refrigeration will make it simple. Single dose will make it simple. So one thing I want to ask you, and I just want to go back to because you talked about a billion doses. So. Um, I'm just curious how many you guys have already manufactured at this point and that are kind of ready to go once the FDA says, go ahead, J&J. No, I'm, I'm not going to talk about quantities today. We have var- uh, vaccines ready. A lot of upscaling is ongoing. And in the weeks and months to follow, we will be able to, to uh, 
communicate all about quantities and deliveries. And I have to say, like, I've spent some time with J&J. I've been out on the West Coast at the, the Janssen Center, the R&D. I've been at manufacturing uh, facilities here on the East Coast. I mean, you guys are a massive company. You understand how to manufacture. But even for a company like J&J, how massive of an undertaking is this process and ramping up the manufacturing? Um. Yeah, this was really massive for everybody involved. It is uh, at the same time doing a development in 12 months of a new vaccine from a non-existing uh, 12 months, exactly one year ago, to setting up a manufacturing all over the world, in Europe, the US, and Asia. Uh, this is, has to take a very comprehensive approach from the entire company and focus to do this in 12 months. But I'm very confident we are going to deliver and uh, hopefully uh, after review, we'll be able to uh, bring the vaccine to people. People. Paul, how do you see this playing out beyond the, the pandemic that we're in right now? I mean, I mean, do you see this being administered, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine being administered similar to a flu shot year after year? Well, probably for the next few years, before this virus is now out of the world, it will take some time. And that m might easily be two, three, four years, and hopefully not, but it doesn't look good at the moment with a huge amount of virus circulating in the world and the number of infections. So getting to herd immunity typically takes 70, 80% of the population either being infected or vaccinated. But this is a global pandemic. So it needs to be done all around the world. Otherwise, this will come back all the time. And that's where uh, I'm, I'm not so sure this will be over in 12 months. It will take a few years and most likely, not, hopefully not, we'll, we'll be confronted with different strains and we'll have to adapt like with a flu so shot. But uh, that's to be determined. Hopefully well, we don't have to get there. But what you see is going in that direction. Don't kill me, Paul, because I know you guys are just working through this process and it's been a big one. But then how soon when you talk about variants, you know, how soon could J&J &J develop kind of the next generation to address uh, some of those variants? How quickly does that happen? Yeah. Uh, when we saw the South African strain and when we learned about its, its, its virulence and its, and its risk, we started already doing a next uh, vaccine in the lab. So the basic research work is happening and the early upscaling is already happening. But now that we see we have such an effect with our clinical outcome, we don't know whether we are going to have to pursue this. But we stay very vigilant and we are going to anticipate with every dangerous strain which comes true to immediately start working on it to be prepared in case we need it. Uh, but yeah, we are early in this new type of strains and we have to absolutely stay extremely vigilant. Hey, Paul, mm -hmm. one last question. Are you optimistic? Uh, you said, you know, this is going to be with us for some time, but do you start to see maybe the world uh, getting a little bit normal, a little bit more opened up, at least here? Uh, I'm thinking about the US, but even globally, maybe by summer? Well, I think it will go in waves, but but yes, in the US, uh, hopefully a very large part of the population would be able to get vaccinated and then by the summer or at least over the summer, by September, we should be in a different uh, stage and we can prefer, prevent the research next fall. That I think should be the big objective here. All right, we're going to leave it there. Mm -hmm. Paul, thank you so much. I know you guys are really busy and we really appreciate you carving out time for us here at Bloomberg. Paul Stoffels, Vice Chairman oh. of the Executive Committee at J&J and also Chief scientific officer at J&J &J joining us from Johnson & Johnson headquarters in New Brunswick.